Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Hey everybody. Have you ever had a friend uh, who was really good at playing devil's advocate with you? No matter what the topic was, it's like they always found it their mission to disagree with you or to challenge your way of thinking. And those, I don't know about you, those people kind of drive me kind of crazy. Sometimes I just want to say, hey, I didn't become your friend so that you could make me better or that I could, you could make me think about things all the time. Like, you should like me exactly the way that you found me. Just leave it be. We all play devil's advocate sometimes. Um, it's, it's a common way that we try to help people think through things in a different way. We do that with our kids. We like to challenge our kids. Sometimes we might overdo it. Uh, your kid is saying something good like, man, I'm going to become a doctor one day, Dad. And you're like, well, have you thought about the amount of school that you're going to have to go through? Have you thought about the fact that you're going to have to get malpractice insurance and because all these suits that you're going to have against you? And your kid looks at you and like, yeah, you know what, you're right. That was a dumb idea, Dad. I, man, I could just live in your basement all my life. And, and then at that moment, you're like, okay, no, take it back, rewind a little bit. Like, I was wrong, you're gonna be a great doctor. Sometimes that, well, that's what we do. We, we find ourselves arguing against the things that we actually believe in, that's right. Uh, sometimes it's called being devil's advocate. Sometimes it's called just being dumb in the moment. Uh, but I remember having classes when I was in high school where you'd have to get into debates with people and sometimes you'd have to debate for things that you didn't believe in at all. Um, if, I, if I had to do a debate where I'd advocate for being a Packers fan or over a Vikings fan, it'd be really hard for me to choke those words out of my mouth. If I had to debate that eating sweet potatoes without brown sugar and marshmallows baked on top of them were better than just having plain old sweet potatoes, I don't think I could do it. When deep down I know something in my heart to be right, there's a freedom in speaking up on its behalf. On the other hand, even when I know something to be false, even though I might be able to argue fervently for that thing, uh, there's no real freedom in making that argument if I know it's not right. It feels off. It, it doesn't feel right. It, there, it's, it's arguing for something that I know is wrong and there's a disconnect there. It's like this constant dissonance. Too many of us struggle with living in that dissonance at times. And so as we continue in this message series in James today, uh, James is going to point us toward this idea of how we can live in true freedom. Living the right way means being able to live with a clear conscience. It means living out what we know is right. If, if you want to persevere as a follower of Jesus, it means persevering in living how Jesus prescribes us to live. Without it, you're never going to feel free. You're going to constantly feel as though you're living out the role of a devil's advocate. And so here's what James writes in James 1 verses 22 through 25. He says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How many times have you heard someone talk about something and you're like, Oh, yeah, that sounds right. I, I love what you're saying. But you've never acted on what they said until years later. 
And when you finally do act on it, you're thinking, what the heck? Why didn't I, why didn't I do this when I first heard about this? Now, I've, told, I've told you recently in the last few weeks that I've been playing this game called Catan with my girls. And no lie, I played the game one time when I was like 20 years old, and I knew right then that it was the most absolutely awesome, fun board game I'd, I'd ever played in my whole life. Um, and I, so I've been wanting to buy this game for the last 19 years. I didn't buy it because it was $40. I, I waited until it, this last Black Friday went on sale for 25 bucks. And now I'm sitting here thinking, man, because of $15, I lost out on 19 years of playing this amazing game. I'm an idiot. When you know some great truth and you do nothing to turn your life to that truth in some way, you're missing an amazing freedom that might have come into your life. You meet the love of your life, but you're too focused on your blossoming career. And so you lose out on that love only to find years later that your career has put you into this tiny little prison that's kept you from everything that really matters. Or you're told by everyone around you to focus on your education because it's the ticket to something good in your future. And you know it. You believe it. But you also can't escape the pull of the immediate gratification that's around you. And so you wind up never amounting to what you felt like and, and dreamed like you could amount to in your life. And here's one that I know I'm definitely guilty of. You're told by someone that, that who knows cars that it'd be good for you to check out the noise that's going on with your car. Uh, but it's like you know in your heart you should but you're afraid of what it's gonna cost you and so you you just try to wish the problem away only the problem is it doesn't go away and so by the time that you actually go in to get your car checked out what would have cost maybe two hundred dollars in a quick easy little repair a month ago it's now a major fifteen hundred dollar repair uh, knowing truth but doing nothing with it it's gonna put you in a box It'll make you a slave to the things that you decided to make as your own truth. You see, real truth will always set you free. But when you settle for something that doesn't come from God's truth, you become a slave to that thing. It will keep you from experiencing freedom like you had hoped to experience when you set out on your journey. Now, there are Christians everywhere who struggle with the very thing that James is talking about in this passage today. They go to church and they hear the truth of God's word, they, during the week they maybe pick up their Bible and they read truth that, that should be life-changing. But then they walk out of church or they put down their Bible or they put down their book from a guy like C.S. Lewis and they forget what they heard and they live without any kind of life change actually taking place. And let's be honest, to some degree that is every single one of us. Submitting to truth that Jesus has plain, put plainly before us, it's not always easy. But here's what we fail to realize, and James does point this out to us. Living out our own version of truth doesn't, in the end, lead us to freedom. The only route to freedom is to live according to the truth that God declares for us. So let's look at this, the first passage, the first verse in this passage from James today. It's from verse 22. He says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. There are a lot of awesome verses in this book of the Bible. There's, there's a lot of awesome verses in this chapter alone, in, in chapter 1. But this verse, verse 22, it might very well be the key verse to this entire book of the Bible. Uh, everything kind of relies on this one. When James says, do what it says, he's summing up everything that he's trying to emphasize in this letter. 
He's trying to help you and me live right. And so he's saying, put into practice what you profess to believe. Live the right way, the Jesus way, the way that you say is, is all that. Do it. Now, I don't think that James would be all that impressed that there isn't this real stark contrast in the ethics, in the integrity, the lifestyles of all of us Christians compared to the rest of the people that we see out in the world. We said it before in this series, Jesus, Jesus offers grace to us, even to us Christians like myself who really struggle to live in a way that always resembles Jesus. But why would we ever want to settle for living a life in Christ that's stuck in bondage when we could be experiencing freedom? That's why James is saying, don't just listen to the word. Don't just listen to what truth is. Go out there and live it. It is the best life that there is to live. And so let's be clear on this. There is a responsibility on those who hear truth. And that responsibility is actually far greater than the responsibility on those who don't hear it. Peter actually writes about this in in 2 Peter 2.21. He says, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Knowing the truth of God's word and choosing to live differently is just not a good thing for us. You have a responsibility to live out what is right. Not to be perfect, but to hold on to truth. Now think about it this way. Think about what little kids are able to get away with when they, when they talk in public, uh, maybe at a grocery store. Up to a certain age, a child can say almost anything in public and they can kind of get away with nothing more than like a quick scolding and a really embarrassed look from their parents. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I mean. You've been there before. You're in line at the grocery store and your toddler says to you, Ew, Mommy, that man stinks up ahead of us. Or, Daddy, why does that lady look so... And, and you kind of, you get right to their mouth just, just in time, maybe cover up the kid's mouth before the word fully comes out. You can't really yell at the kid too much, right? Because they don't know any better. Now, you're going to try to do everything you can to make sure that they know for the next time, like when they see something rather unusual, they can't just be blurting stuff out. But the responsibility level, it's different for a child. Now, on the other hand, if I blurted out in the store to my wife, hey, honey, that dude in front of us, he is ugly. Like, no way I look as bad as him, right? Aren't you glad that you married this? That wouldn't go over quite as easily. In verse 22, James is really trying to help us see that we're not little children anymore. You've heard truth. You've heard what Jesus did for you. He died on a cross to extend grace to you. And now that grace should impact every room in your life. Your life should be transforming in the light of what your grace that you've experienced is. Every day, little by little, bit by bit, you should be being transformed by that grace. There's a responsibility that each of us now holds. And we should stop deceiving ourselves into thinking that there's some other variant truth out there that is going to put us in a better position in life than the truth of God's Word. Now, I've got to say this about the the next portion of this passage. This next portion has always been one of my favorite pieces of writing in Scripture. Uh, I think James uses this ridiculous argument to show how ridiculous it can be when we run away from God's truth. And so here's what he says in verses 23 and 24. He says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. See, James is comparing 
hearing the word to looking at your face in the mirror. And he uses this word, this Greek word, kataneo, katanoeo, I think is how it's said. Uh, and he uses that word for what it, he's talking about looking in the mirror. And this word about looking in the mirror as he's using it, it's not just this quick, hasty glance at your face. It's a long look. He's talking about somebody knowing, studying their face in the mirror, knowing it well. Um, this isn't just this, I'm going out for a jog kind of glance in the mirror. It is a, I'm getting married today, look in the mirror, making sure everything is just right. Every piece of hair is in perfect order. Every piece of breakfast food is out of your teeth. It's the kind of glance where at the end of it, you're like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Looking good today, Mr. Anderson, top of your game. Everything, you, you just know it all well. James is describing here someone who knows the teachings of Jesus well, just as you know every imperfection in your own face and every part that you like about your face. This is someone who has studied Jesus and knows what he's all about. This is someone who has no excuse for failing to respond to Jesus, to the kind of life that Jesus is calling him or her to. But then in verse 24, despite this person knowing the life and teachings of Jesus well, this person decides to totally forget all of this and just live out however they want to live. Best description of this, I think, is, is that phrase we've all heard, out of sight, out of mind. And think about your face. You don't stop worrying about your imperfections just because you walked away from the mirror. I remember the first time ever that I got a zit. Uh, wasn't a good moment in my life. I remember going to my first class, and there was this girl that I liked at the time, but I went to my first class of the day. And I'm sitting in this class, it's art class, and zit was right here. I swear I get all my zits. Now that you're wearing masks, getting, I'm still getting zits there. I'm 39 years old. But I remember I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to sit with my hand on my chin like this. And it's like I'm thinking really well. Like, oh, yeah. If, like five minutes into this, my buddy, he's like, dude, Kellen, we all know you got a huge zit. You can stop trying to cover it up. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. It makes me feel really good about my life. I appreciate it. It's hard to have an out of sight, out of mind attitude with the insecurities that we have regarding how our face looks. Uh, but we take that attitude easier sometimes with God. At church, conviction is, is kicking in as we hear the truth of God's word. And we get home and it's like, uh, no, God, you weren't really speaking to me, were you? The Holy Spirit is initiating something in our hearts. Uh, but again, we get home and it's like, oh, I was just getting emotional. That wasn't, that wasn't rational what was going on in me at that time. I, that, that was just, that was the feeling of the moment. I, God's not actually expecting me to live, change my life and to live a different kind of way. Now, believe me, I've been there on this one. I remember going to Bible camp as a kid and being nervous about going into the night service, not really wanting God to get in and mess, kind of mess up my life and ask too much out of me. Um, and I feel him calling me to something higher than I was living for at the time. And I feel that pressure just building up. And then when I'd leave the worship center and we'd go to the snack stand and we'd start hanging out with our, our friends after the service, everything would start to feel like normal again. And there'd be that little voice in my head saying, you know what? Ah, see, you don't need to make all these big changes. God's fine with how you're at. At least, at least you're, you're a Bible camp. Other people aren't even doing that, let alone becoming more like Jesus. Jesus is too good. You're not going to be like that. So you can't try and be, be more like him, really, can you? And we don't really forget, though, what's right when we hear truth. 
But we like to tell ourselves that no one can really be held to that high of a standard as Jesus wants to hold us to. Or we tell ourselves that Jesus might have high standards for me, but he has even more grace for me. So we let ourselves off the hook. If you get one thing today, man, keep this one in your brain. Don't talk yourself out of living to a higher standard. I know I've done that so many times before in my life. Just because Jesus has grace for you doesn't mean that you shouldn't aim to be more like him in your everyday life. I'm not saying make the higher standard of living your salvation uh, so that it becomes your religion. You're not saved by keeping to high standards. You're saved by Jesus. But when it comes to truth and what is right, it's never out of sight, out of mind. Truth is truth. What Jesus says is right for you is always going to be right. Not just when we feel like living that way. There's, there's always going to be health in doing his word and doing what it says for us to do. There's always health in becoming more like Jesus. And really, that's what James distinctly gets at now in the last verse of today's passage. He says, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, can I take you through James' description of law in this verse for just a minute? Because I think what he implies here, it's really powerful if we pick it up. James is speaking to Jewish people, and so it makes sense for him to describe truth as and, and, and God's word as law, because that's what they know it as. Old Testament, Mosaic law, they get that. Uh, he uses two descriptive words for this law, uh, one that would be really familiar to his hearers, and the other one might feel a little bit out of place. At first, he calls the law perfect. Okay, that one makes sense to everybody. It's God's law, it's perfect. No problems there. But the second descriptor is this. He says that the law gives freedom. Now what? Like even, even we don't really think of laws today as being what gives us freedom. Laws are seen as a restriction, right? That's what we see them as. But, but it's, that's not really the case. Good laws do just the opposite of restricting us. They give us actually everything that we need, which is this freedom to live life in the way that's going to be best for us. It brings to mind for me the Bill of Rights. Uh, you got freedom of speech, that's a law. Freedom of religion, that's a law. Right to bear arms, that's a law. Right to fair trial, that's a law. All these laws give us freedom. And likewise, the truth, the truths that God gives to us, the laws that he prescribes for us on how to live, they're never meant to enslave us. They do just the opposite of that, in fact. They allow us to live more free than we could ever hope to live without his rules. Uh, James tells us here that if you do both the listening and the doing of God's truth in your life, you're going to be blessed. Now, I'll clarify this as I always do. This blessing itself isn't talking about salvation. Salvation is a gift of grace completely. But our doing right can and will, it will bring blessing in our everyday lives. James really gives us four reasons uh, for the blessing that we find when we not only listen to the truth, but we do it as well. Uh, and the four, the four reasons for this, they're all in this last verse, verse 25. Again, I want to read it. It says, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Okay, so these four reasons that we're going to be blessed. Number one, we find blessing because we look intently into his truth. This is the same word, uh, this looks intently, this word that's used for looks intently, is the same word that's used when John, when he heard that Jesus was out of the grave, 
It's the same word that's used when, for John when he went and looked intently into the, this cave to look for Jesus' body. When we are willing to look intently into, into his truth, there is going to be blessing. When, we're gonna, when we look at and try to figure out, not my own truth for myself, there's this thing in our world today where it's like, well, it, whatever is your truth is what's truth. No, that's, that's so far from the truth. What is God's truth is truth, and we need to look intently into it, and we're gonna find blessing when we do that. The second reason for this blessing that we're gonna find is we find blessing when we continue in the truth. Uh, James is again bringing up this idea that he's been preaching this whole chapter, which is perseverance. When we continue in the truth, there's gonna be blessing. The third reason for the blessing is we find blessing when we don't forget what we've heard. Sometimes what the world has to tell you about how you should live it's gonna sound a lot easier to hear. Uh, it might lead you to, to a quicker payday. It might sound more fun in the moment than what God is telling you to do. Uh, and so the temptation is to run from and actually forget what you know is, is actually right. But again, perseverance means not forgetting the truth that you've heard. And then we get to this fourth thing that, that James is t talking about here. The fourth thing is we find blessing when we put what we've heard into practice. I want you to ask yourself this. Is your life filled with blessing? If not, are you putting into practice the things that you know that you've heard from God? Have you been putting His best practices for your life into your daily practices? Are you putting God first? Are you full of grace for those who don't earn it? Are you choosing humility and selflessness? Or are you seeking to gain independence and fame and fortune and fun at any cost that it takes? I know people who have experienced tremendous heartache in this life who still choose to put into practice the kind of life practices that scripture says are important. And despite all of the heartache that they've experienced, these people still find that their lives have been blessed. There is freedom in knowing God's truth and continually deciding that his truth will take you further and to a better place than whatever truth you might be able to conjure up for yourself. Do you want to find and experience real freedom in your life today? Are you listening and doing God's truth? Or are you following your own version of truth? Real freedom will, will only come as we submit to His authority. Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much that we have freedom in Jesus. God, some of us, we need that freedom right now. Some of us, we are guilty on a daily basis of running from things that we know are true. God, I, I know that anger is not the thing that is healthy for me, but I, I run away from that truth and I run towards feeding my desires, my fleshly desires, and living in, in moments of anger. God, forgive me of that. God, forgive us of those moments where we choose willingly to put aside what your truth is so that we can live out this different version of truth that we have for ourselves. God, help us to humbly submit to your authority today. God, I know and I believe that there is more freedom in living out your truth for our lives than we could ever find any place else. So God, help us to, to submit to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we go into this last song, we're going to take a moment to take communion together. Um, and so in your home, uh, maybe you've got some water or juice or uh, bread or crackers, whatever you could do to, uh, to find to eat. Uh, why, don't we, why don't we take this time together right now? The, the greatest truth that we have in this life 
It's found in Jesus, in his death and in his resurrection. That is the starting point for finding real freedom today, like we've talked about. And John 8, 31 through 36 says something great about that freedom. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So it is the son who sets you free. You will be free indeed. Jesus the son is the one who sets us free. Uh, We don't need to live enslaved to anything any longer not even to our own sinful desires, because all of that was bought for us on the cross. And so as we take this time to remember him in communion, let's remember that freedom that we have through the cross. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that comes uh, by way of your son, Jesus, giving up his body, shedding his blood for us on that cross. God, for those of us who, who maybe have not experienced that freedom to the fullest, and really that's all of us, Lord, we all have some amount that we still need to to experience that freedom. Help us today to know that freedom better. God, help us to understand the freedom of living in submission to to the Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Because it it doesn't make sense to us sometimes. But God, as we start to to humbly submit, that freedom begins to grow. Uh, God, help us to understand that, to know that better today. We thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.